Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop, which is taking place on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer to sign up. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to identify simple solutions and systems that will make a massive difference and ripple effect inside of your center. I'm going to help you create efficiency where you need it most and understand what is causing your school to feel so hectic and where those big pain points are. We're going to clarify your center's priority system to improve this summer. I'm going to show you how to audit those systems. We're going to define your desired outcomes, and you're going to leave the workshop with a simple plan that will make huge impact. And by simple, I mean very simple. No complex, no multi-step processes. Super, super simple. No one has time for long things. No one has brain capacity for extra stuff. We need simple things that have massive impact. Go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer, and I'll see you there. Welcome to the Schools of Excellence podcast, where we have conversations about education, leadership, and building a school of excellence. The goal on this show is to bring you clarity, up-level your mindset, and give you practical strategies and inspiration so you can show up with confidence and trust your decision-making. I'm Khan Wolshansky. I'm a mom of four under 10, a former New Yorker, and been in the early childhood field my entire life. And I'm so grateful that you've joined me for this conversation. Welcome back to another episode of the Schools of Excellence podcast. Today's conversation is with my good friend, one of our partners in Schools of Excellence, Scott Wayman, who's the CEO and founder of Kangaroo Time. In today's conversation, we speak about investing. And more specifically, we talk about understanding how to raise capital funding for your child care center. We really dive into understanding just the mindset of what it means to take on investors, why now is it a critical time to look at specific funding to grow and scale your center. We talk about the perspective of women specifically and the mindset around bootstrapping versus investments. This is a fascinating conversation that I had with Scott, and I hope you enjoy it. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another Owners Only Conversation. Super excited to have Scott back in here. Scott's the founder and CEO of Kangaroo Time, and Scott and I have done multiple joint shows together and conversations, and when we were prepping for this one, I asked Scott, you know, which direction do you want to take? Like, what do we want to talk about? It's Scott, I got back to me, and he's like, let's talk about raising capital and funding for centers. So I want to ask you, Scott, why... Why did you bring up that topic? Like, why is now with what's going on in the industry, with what's going on in the economy and the political landscape, with whatever's happening in the world, why is this an important conversation for owners? So there's a few reasons, Hani. The the first one being um, right now we're seeing kind of an interesting time in, in the capital markets, right? Interest rates are crazy. Um, we're starting to see a thinning of the fray at the mm-hmm. bottom of the market. So the more financialized operators out there are acquiring the ones and two center businesses. But also, I don't think there's ever been a better time to use leverage to go and seize opportunity. And in talking to owners, Kangaroo Time is venture capital funded. We've raised more than $37 million to stand up the framework around building a great software company. And I think there are some valuable lessons that I've learned over the last 15 years as an entrepreneur. I've raised 
almost $100 million in venture capital funding. I've created nearly $2 billion in shareholder value. And it's all been with this crazy knowledge around fundraising. And honey, I tell this story all the time. When we started raising funding at my first startup, I didn't understand it. I couldn't wrap my head around it. I never had that education around money and leverage and the power of scale. Uh, and we were going into these offices and, and pitching businesses to these really smart Princeton or Ivy League school graduates that were known as they were venture capital guys. And I'm like, what are we what are we selling them? Like, what's the story <laughs> we're putting together for them? Yeah. But, but as I've done it and as I've seen it, I mean, honey, I've been at meetings with early education business owners and somebody says, hey, I'm opening, you know, I'm doing this new business. I have this car wash um, that that I've done and who wants to put in 150K and like five people raise their hands. And, and I've seen it happen to where two years later, everybody makes 4X on their money. You know, they, they normalize the thing, they get it out. And nobody talks about that part of the education, that financial education of going and raising capital and levering up your business and standing up systems that are all of a sudden really accretive to a group of people, people yeah. that have thrown in money. Could, oh my gosh, I have so many things to say about this. And I'm, I'm so grateful that you are starting this conversation because I think I would love for this to be a theme of conversation that we have going into this new year. And here's why. I was just at an event um, in Arizona in the beginning of this month. And <clears throat> we were talking a lot about how a lot of female-owned businesses, which childcare owners are primarily led by women, um, don't even think about venture capital. They don't even think about funding. They're like, I'm going to bootstrap this. Like, I got this. Like, I'm going to figure this all out on my own. Um, and I forget the statistics, like only 2% of female-owned businesses are backed by funding. And one of the things that the presenter at the event asked, she said, what would you do if you had 50 million or 10 million dollars and you didn't need to worry about cranking out a profit right you just had money to back you what ideas would you build what ideas would you create in your organization and i remember taking that whole afternoon and just dreaming like what would i do with 10 million dollars what and I'm, it's like oh my gosh like we don't even allow ourselves to dream about those possibilities because we're so bootstrapped so cool. let's let's talk about that this a little bit scott like why how do we shift this conversation, especially since childcare are primarily led by women? Yeah, I think, okay, so the, for me, the process of understanding the valuable ratchet of additional capital inside my business, it started with understanding the psychology of the investor. Mm. And, and as I've acquired a little bit of wealth and and I'm starting to deal in different asset classes as I've grown businesses and sure. everything. Understanding the psychology of the investor, it, to me, is where the root of the seed starts to grow. Like, mm. this is where it is. So you take somebody, a high net worth individual. Let's think about right now, honey. How scary is it to throw a big portion of your, of your assets into the stock market? For me, like I'm pretty diversified. You know, I have kangaroo time as a huge personal investment. I put a big amount of capital. I bet on myself and that's growing really fast as the company grows. I have money in real estate. I have yeah. money in the stock market. But as I think about it, 
asset classes like childcare businesses, childcare centers are super appealing to me. And here's why, because they're basically comprised of, of a couple of components. There's the real estate and the, like the, the proximal entity, and then there's the operator and the business. And both of those have a lot of value as an investor. If I can put in, if I can put in money and help somebody help a great operator go acquire a site and, and be completely free of the capital restrictions of like finding a building and getting that building kind of uh, ready for business as an investor, I could be a triple net investor. I could be an investor that says, hey, I'm gonna buy the land, I'm gonna stand up the school, you pay your taxes, you pay your, your improvements, you pay, you pay for all your utilities, everything, and I collect money. Or if I'm really thoughtful, like a private equity investor, I go to somebody, let's say that has three centers, they have a great operating model, they bootstrap the thing. I say to them, I'm gonna be your capital partner. Let's open up 20 more of these. Let's get 20 more of these. Let's get it to scale. And the multiples change. The multiples on the business, as you grow the business, the value of each rooftop uh, grabs grabs more and more value uh, because the, the business is normalized. Yeah, sure. So I want to backtrack for a second because you're speaking of the mindset of a advanced investor, business owner, just your, you, the way that you think about options and opportunity is very advanced because you've been in the industry for a long time. And so I want to dial back for a second to just your regular owner that's, you know, watching this, right? Someone who maybe owns two locations or five or even 10 locations, right? When you are thinking about like you have a diversified investment portfolio and things, there's a lot of owners who are looking at like, I need to make payroll. I need to do this. I and And so their mindset is very much like, Literally, their hand is here and their face is here. They can only see this far. Your brain looks 10 years into the future. So what I would love to invite you to help our owners here is how do you start to develop that mindset where you can look a little bit further than what's right right in front of you? What funding is about. It's understanding like, what would I even do with $10 million, right? Like so many people can't even like fathom that concept. I think the first piece of tooling that you really have to invest in and that you really have to focus on, and, and honey, you're right, this is a great time of year to do it. You know, yeah. this is the time of year where you go into strategic planning. The first piece of tooling is the model. So you build a an Excel model or some sort of financial model, or just print out your P&L from, from QuickBooks or whatever financial system you're using, and then start to kind of project out into the future. Start to just kind of project out what enrollment looks like at 80% or what the business looks like when the enrollment's at 80%. And then start to think, okay, if I could get an investment right now, we don't have the cash flow to really do any advertising or do anything to really ramp customer acquisition. What if I got like a a $10,000 investment so I could just focus on that and change the dynamics of the operating business? So there's that. So build the, you know, the first piece of tooling is just your model and the orientation part of it. Like, where is the business? And I think when you, 
honey, we've talked about this. We've talked about repetition and, sure. and doing things right. like just, just slaving over the business, just, just like pouring over it so that you know it so well. I think that first exercise of, okay, what does the business look like in a forward-looking way as we kind of like pull different levers? And then, oh my gosh, what happens if we open one? We have a 300-family wait list. Um, not all of those will convert into a new school, but what what if we open another rooftop? What mm. what happens there? And then what what are the levers like that building that I was thinking of of, of or that land I was thinking of procuring on the south side of town? The socioeconomics over there are a little bit different, uh, and then you start to kind of propagate the levers there. If you know your stuff, if you know all the all the variables. If you can pretty much spit out the operating profit of a new business, you're ready to talk to investors. You're ready to sell the dream. You're ready to say, we got to back up because this is so good, but I still need to go further. Right. So I love these conversations. And I think we're just this beautiful yin and yang where you're like, okay, look at all these opportunities. And I'm like, okay, but there's people that are here that I'm like, can't even see the opportunities. Right. So we do this push and pull and we can really change the conversation for leaders. So here's one of the challenges I'm hearing you talk. I'm like, this is amazing. Right. But then I'm like, there's people that there, you can't think strategically or creatively when you're worried about making payroll or you're worried about paying the internet bill or you're worried about that you can't cover the ratios in the classroom. So I'd love to hear like from your perspective, right? Because I, you know, a lot of things that, that I do training on is like, there has to be a combination of, yes, you're in the weeds, but there's specific time that you pull yourself out of the weeds, yeah, so honey. Like, you run the business, right? But you also create opportunity. What is your cycle? What are some of the rhythms you do to invite yourself to think at this big, bold way? Yeah. So first of all, I've always said uh, in order to work on the business, you have to be operationally sound, right? So sure. so, so again, like I get it. Not being able to, to think through all the, the daily traumas, um, not being able to like, break away from the conundrum of, oh my God, how are we going to make payroll? How am I going to? So, so sure. I think, I think as a great, if you want to scale your business, you have to prepare for scale. So, so I, I mean, I, I think uh, back in 2020, um, we had the, we had the, like the interesting timing of, you know, we were starting to run out of capital and we wanted to make capital investments and I really had to dig in for about six months, really dig in, make sure the business was operationally sound, make sure that I made some key hires to come in and stabilize parts of the business. You remember David. David was an integral. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. David, was, David has since left Kangaroo Time and has started his own startup. That was, that was the give and take. He wanted to come in and learn from an entrepreneur and He's doing very well, but I had to bring in the right people so that I had the room to go out and start to work on the business and work on different concepts. So making it operationally sound. And again, you, you no investor is interested in coming in and helping somebody that needs to raise capital because the business is a disaster. Of course, of course. Investors want to put money in somewhere where something is operationally sound. It's seemingly, when you look at the models, it prints money, 
And, and I think I think that's another stretch there. That's another uh, another talking point, Hani. Before you get ready for fundraising, you really have to dial in the business. You have to. And, and I remember the the psychology that changed. This was weird. When I started fundraising, I was super private and ashamed of some of our financials. Mm. And, then, and then I had to like understand I had to orient around, oh, you know, we're actually running a decent business with decent margins. And what am I ashamed of? Yeah. And and let that let that shame kind of drive that motivation. Uh, if I didn't like a number somewhere, then I need to dig in there. If I'm really embarrassed to present my financials to investors who, who from them, I need their money. Um, yeah. That should tell me something about the business. So so clean it up, clean yes. it up before you yeah. get ready for your fundraise. Well, you know, it's interesting also from the just hearing you speak of like, there's so many different ways to build operational infrastructure and there's so many different ways to grow and scale a company, right? And so it's also understanding like, stop trying to solve every single problem on your own, learn to get in community. I was at this event and this person was talking about how she needed more people on her sales team. And she's like, but I can't afford it, whatever it is. And so someone in the at our table, she just like thinks at a different level. And she's like, well, you could like buy a call center or you could like buy like and she's like, what do you mean? Like buy something. And she's like, yeah, well, you could take money and you can actually go buy what you need. Like you don't have to do everything with your time or your current resources. Anyways, it blew her mind. Like she's like, I never realized that there's other ways to go about something. And I think specifically in childcare, we regurgitate the same ideas over and over and over and over again. And it's like, no, 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 go out of your industry and look how they're solving problems and look how to bring those ideas inside of your, inside of your center. So Let's take a different perspective here for a second. We have an owner who is saying, yes, Scott, I love this idea. There's a piece of property that's like a mile away, would love to purchase it, would love to build a second location. I don't have the money, nor do I even have maybe the the credit or whatever it is and the options. What are some questions that leaders can start asking themselves? Um, You spoke about being operationally sound. What is really the next step? Because sometimes we don't even see the possibilities. Like we're in the forest. Like we can't even see the trees. Absolutely. So so one, I mean, entrepreneurship is a sickness. So have a partner is what I always say. And I think sometimes we get into this mode of like, I want to do this. It's my vision. I want to do this thing. But as you know, honey, like one of the most beautiful, I mean, we are designed for pair bonding as, as humans. This is the beauty of marriage. Business relationships can be wonderful. I don't have the money. I want to buy this piece of land. That is that is the exact moment where you bring in a partner. And I think the psychology, the psychology, and, and there are many, many high net worth individuals. Um, I know a bunch of them who have been an operator like us, honey. And they get to about 55 or 60 and they're like, I'm wealthy. I'm wealthy. I've done it. Like all this, all this has, I'm good. I want to travel with my wife. Okay. I'm projecting my fantasy. That's okay. No, no, no. I like your fantasy. Keep talking. (laughs) I want to to travel with my wife. I want to like open up the mailbox and know that there's money coming in. Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's the perfect partner for that operator. Who's a little slim on cash. Mm -hmm. Um, and they go in 50-50 and they build the new center. 
And they, and of course, they they have all the tooling. They built out the model. They know it's going to be profitable. They know it cash flows. They know the net margins. They know everything. That that is exactly where uh, you introduce a partner. And 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 honey, I think that's a big part of the psychology. Um, it, being in startup land all these years, the way that you think about things, like with with kangaroo time, was okay, I could do this myself and it'll take me 25 years to build everything yes. I need to, yes. or I can raise $37 million and, and invest a million dollars a month for the next 18 months and get there in 18 months for what would have taken me 25 years. Now, thinking on a smaller scale, you know, just opening a childcare center, not smaller, more noble for sure, but different. That piece of land you see across town and that huge need in your community, the feasibility studies you've run, getting there now is is worth so much. And giving away half of half of the upside, or you know, in that partnership, sharing fifty percent of that, whatever it is, getting there is is the key. And then and then you've got to start to think, uh, not to get too far ahead, but that capital partner might just be able to say, I'm going to throw a million dollars or $3 million to build this site, you know, 1,200 square yep. foot thing. And uh, once it normalizes in the business operating, maybe you will get financing and buy them out and, and it's yours. So, so there oh, are different so ways to do it. So I want to, uh, first of all, I just thought of this idea while you were talking. I'm like, we need to create a shark tank for early childhood leaders. Totally. So, that's an idea. We'll talk about that one day over dinner. I just thought. Honey, of that. Like, honey you know what? Just not to interrupt your flow. No worries. The, the reason Shark Tank and and the the reason those things are so important is because it gives it gives kind of like it gives a name and it gives yeah. um, it diagrams the process. Just like you know, we used to diagram yeah. sentences in Spanish. Like you get to see it over and over and over. And by the time. By the time you watch about your 10th Shark Tank episode, you're like, Mr. Wonderful is not going for that. Mark's yeah. going to love this deal. Dan yeah. will hate this. Lori yeah. will like it. You know, Robert, yeah. no way. But you just start to understand the psychology. You're so right. I, I think a Shark I, Tank I think that crazy. early childhood leaders need more funding. And uh, I think in general, we need to be valuing education. So this is a whole separate conversation that we need. (laughs) But I do want to say one thing that you were talking about when you were talking about like, this could take me 25 years or right. It could take me 18 months. So I think one of the things that I'm so mindful of, just because this is the current season of life that I'm in, and I know a lot of owners are in this, you need to know the season of life that you're in when you're making big decisions around funding venture capital. Like, because again, you know, you're, you're listening to someone like Scott speak and you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. But you also have to understand the amount of hours that he's poured into the business and the amount of brain capacity and time and energy and soul and, and all of the stuff and resources that he has to pour into his company. You might be in a completely different place. Like you might be raising young kids right now. You might be taking care of elderly parents. Like please understand the season of life that you're in and recognize like, is this a now thing? Is this a six month thing? Like it's more important to understand these are options on the table, but not shaming yourself for, well, I can't go after this right now because I'm in this season of life. A hundred percent. And also honey, I'd say the second piece to that is understand the season of life your potential partners are in also. I think, yes, yes. I think there, there are some co-founder breakups that get really nasty 
And when you go back and you look at the, you know, the archives, you think, well, this was obvious. This guy was, <laughs> this guy was 69 years old. Yeah. This, woman, yeah. this woman opening the childcare center was 29. And, yeah. and yeah. no wonder there's tension. No wonder he wants to, to refinance this thing and get out of it. Like, you got to know those things. I love that. And I could talk to you for days about this topic. So what would love to do, would love to ask our audience here a question, because if this is a topic that, if this is a, a topic of conversation that leaders want more education on, more education, more resources, just even more conversation, like let us know about that, whether you're letting us know in the comments or, or private messaging, because I'd love to create more topics of conversation around this. But I think the main inspiration I'm so grateful you joined us here, Scott, for is just opening up people's minds to understand that there are options out there. There are other ways to go about growing and scaling your company. So always grateful to have you here. This was this. I, I love this. This is such a different. Kind yeah. Of yeah. And I'll close on a, one yeah, thing. Go ahead. I've already, I've always said, you know, when going into fundraising, when I when I mentor young entrepreneurs, you had to consider four things. So one. Do you have product market fit? And for for our owners and operators, do you have do you have like an excess need where you can spin up the business? Do you have a, a special vision that you think has a growth coefficient that we've never seen? So that's one. Two is the who. Like, do you, do you have the playbook for the people? Um, for me, it's always been about hiring people with high fluid intelligence and who lead with kindness. Those two things, I can make a business work. Number three is the deal. Um, so if you're going out and selling a deal, you got to understand the psychology of the investor. In my world, the investor wants a 10 times return. In your world, a child care center investor or a backer of private equity groups going to want, you know, three to five X. And, okay. and I think a great operating business gets you there. And then number four is just your vision. You know, make sure, make sure that in your elevator pitches, uh, in every communication you have, your vision is oozing out of every single piece of it. You know, just make sure that you 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 live your vision, your pitch deck lives your vision, all your collateral, your brand, everything, because the vision will get you there. I love that. Scott, thank you so much for joining us here live. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening for my conversation with Scott and I. So here's the exciting thing. You know, Scott and I, since the us having this conversation, we've actually been getting a lot more questions of people that are really looking into understanding how to really raise capital funding or looking for partners or investors to continue to scale and grow their companies. So Scott and I are going to be having more conversations like these on Owners Only Conversations, which is our show that we have uh, streamed on our uh, social media platforms. We're also super excited that Kangaroo Time is going to be our premier sponsor at the Summit of Excellence, February 28th, March 1st and 2nd in Miami, Florida. This year's event is Building Legacy Through Values-Based Leadership, and we're going to be doing some really unique experiences, and we're excited to have Kangaroo Time be one of our premier sponsors at this event. So thank you to Kangaroo Time. If you are looking into joining us at this year's summit, there are a couple of tickets left. This is a 45-person invite only application only event. So if you're interested, click the link in the show notes. Um, you can apply to directors in our circle or owners HQ to learn more information about our event. Thanks so much for listening. If you are loving the schools of excellence podcast and have gotten any value out of it for your school, I would love if you can do two things for me. 
One, subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And two, can you please leave us a review? Reviews help other school leaders know that this is the place to learn how to build a school of excellence. And I would be so grateful if you can do that for us. Your help and support makes this show to be able to be listened by the thousands of other school leaders all around the world. Thanks so much for listening, for giving us your time and attention each and every week. And I appreciate that you have joined us. Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can click the link in the show notes or go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to optimize your already efficient systems or help you tweak some ones that need a little bit more tweaking to help you enter the 2024-2025 school year with ease, with success, and with calmness. Increase your profitability, reduce your expenses, and more than anything, just help you buy back some of your time. I look forward to seeing you there.